Products presents The Swiss Gnomes as part of a series of presentations on Secrets of the Great Investors, narrated by Louis Rukeyser. For centuries, the Swiss have been investment bankers to both the kings and commoners of Europe. Those who seek safety and security for their money have found a haven in the rugged Swiss Alps and in the values, traditions, and character of the Swiss people. Author Mark Skousen, who has made a specialty of financial privacy, puts it this way. Switzerland has a long tradition of financial freedom and confidentiality. It has always been the Swiss attitude that your money is your business and no one else's, not even the government's. The gnomes have learned over many centuries to respect hard work and the economic blessings of capitalism. The Swiss revere honesty, private property, political neutrality, a stable currency, and the inalienable right to privacy. The earliest written account of Switzerland was in the first century B.C., when the Greek writer Posidonius described the Swiss as rich in gold, but peaceable. In 1513, the famous Italian Niccolo Machiavelli admired Switzerland's military strength and fiery independence in his classic work, The Prince. The main foundations of every good state are good laws and good arms. Rome and Sparta endured for many centuries armed and free. The Swiss are strongly armed and completely free. In his book on Switzerland, Walter Sorrell adds this perspective. Since 1515, when Swiss policy turned to political neutrality, guaranteed by all great powers again in 1815, its neutrality has been, figuratively speaking, its hottest export item. In a war-torn world, Switzerland became a storehouse for treasure and fortunes. Most governments profess their commitment to freedom and privacy. Yet they force their citizens to reveal details about their financial transactions, income, and wealth. By contrast, the Swiss are known for being fiercely independent and discreetly confidential in their financial affairs. Perhaps that's why Switzerland has become the world's premier private banking center. The London Financial Times has estimated that Swiss banks manage some 40% of the world's private wealth. Author Robert Rothenmund points out what he regards as the need for a place like Switzerland. A world without a Switzerland would considerably complicate the lives of many while simplifying regulation and surveillance by governments. The fact that Switzerland does exist is proof that people and governments have a need for it, where it is, and as it is. The Swiss have a saying, if there were not a country like Switzerland, one would have to be created. Swiss account holders are often portrayed as fugitives, criminals, or tyrants. But the myth can be quite different from reality, as Alex Sutter observes in his book entitled Switzerland, Wealth, and You. The media and movies conjure up images of stolen money hiding in secret accounts. 
Yet the truth is that most of the world's large companies, including other banks and hundreds of thousands of individuals, bank with the gnomes of Switzerland. Even the Bankers Bank, the Bank for International Settlements, is located in Switzerland. An aura of mystery and intrigue seems to surround Swiss bankers, who are often called Swiss gnomes, after the woodland trolls or genies of Swiss mythology. The mythical gnomes are said to have great power, but are seldom seen. And the habits of Swiss bankers can be elusive and enigmatic, and are often discussed in hushed tones, whether in Zurich and Geneva, or in London or New York. The Swiss gnomes now manage funds from far beyond Europe, and the reason for this worldwide expansion involves a piece of history that begins in Germany in 1933. Hitler had come to power, and tens of thousands of Germans were worried about the future of their freedom and wealth. Many sent funds abroad, much of it to Switzerland. An old German proverb had never been more true. Money alone does not make you happy. You must have some of it in Switzerland, too. To counter the drain of financial assets, a new German law ordered all citizens to declare their foreign investments. Failure to comply was punishable by death. Yet most Germans still did not report their Swiss accounts. Hundreds of Gestapo agents were ordered to Switzerland to find these secret accounts. The agents tried bribes, made fraudulent inquiries for account balances, tapped wires, opened mail, and even posed as account owners requesting funds. This Nazi onslaught against Switzerland's banking traditions and against its respect for privacy and property prompted the Swiss government to enact the Bank Secrecy Act of 1934. As paraphrased by a Swiss banker, The Act makes it a crime for a bank officer or employee to reveal any information about the customer's account to a third party without the written permission of the customer. Bank officers or employees are further prohibited from disclosing even to the Swiss government the existence or contents of any bank account. Bank employees are covered under the law even after they have left the bank or the banking business. A violation is punishable by a prison term of up to six months and or a fine of up to 50,000 Swiss francs. Even if the disclosure is by negligence, the fine ranges up to 30,000 Swiss francs. Swiss accounts came to be identified solely with numbers and not with the depositors' names. This practice, combined with protections in the new law, offered financial safety and secrecy for thousands of German nationals, many of them persecuted Jews. The benefits of these laws and practices can be seen in a true story told by the investment writer Harry Brown of how safeguarded wealth was used to rebuild a family's future. In 1934, Hans Lubich, a prosperous German-Jewish businessman, understood what kind of future the Nazi government was preparing for him. He decided to take his family to Switzerland for a vacation. But before leaving, he converted some of his savings into the largest banknotes available. 
Since Hans was a shoemaker, he hid the banknotes in the soles of the family's shoes. So, despite the severe penalties for taking money out of the country, he smuggled 20,000 German marks into Switzerland. After they arrived in Switzerland, Hans's children went skiing, while Hans went to the bank. The Lubick family returned to Germany after the vacation, but the oppression of Jews continued to worsen. When Hans was given the opportunity to leave the country again, he took it. But he was not allowed to take any property out of Germany with him. He booked himself and his family aboard a cruise ship to Hong Kong, buying first-class passage and every available extra, using up as much money from his German bank account as possible. Hans and his family made it to Hong Kong and eventually to the United States. After he arrived in the U.S., he cabled his Swiss bank, instructing it to send his money to America. This new money enabled him to buy a business and to begin his new life without financial hardship. Many investors see their Swiss deposits as a bulwark against any individual, institution, or government that might wish to unjustly confiscate their wealth. The so-called Big Three Swiss Banks, in a booklet entitled The Truth About Swiss Banking, maintain that Swiss banking practices are designed to protect the innocent, and exceptions are made only according to Swiss law. Contrary to popular belief, there are limitations on banking secrecy in Switzerland. Banks are obliged to furnish pertinent information...